0: this church is uh, a friendly church. <coughs> Pretty much all congregations say that. Uh, there's a, an embargo on congregations calling ministers just now in the Church of Scotland The because of the mission action plan that needs to get in place. But even just a few months ago when uh, it was the case that um, Churches could advertise for ministers. You'd look in the Church of Scotland's magazine, Life and Work, and there'd be these adverts. And the number of times they said, we're a friendly church. I had some problems with the arithmetic of that, um, because you've got all these churches saying we're friendly churches. And yet one hears plenty of stories of folks not being welcomed or indeed experienced when you're on holiday and go to another church and <clears throat> the, rest, the mass doesn't work out. You know, there's all these friendly churches but there's all these, I don't know, maybe we just can't be sure that we're as friendly as we think we are. But what's what's even more worrying about these adverts and and the magazine that says we're a friendly church? What's even more worrying to me is I think is that that the most important thing you've got to say about yourselves? Why do the adverts never say we're a disciple-making church or we're we're a church engaging in in mission in all kinds of ways? Is being friendly really the pinnacle of what congregations ought to aim for. Now, Being friendly is not a bad thing. Okay, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's a lot better than being unfriendly. But is it all that the church is for and about? For if we think that being friendly is enough, then it's all about us then, isn't it? And others. And where's God in that? And we're taking out of the gospel the very thing that makes it good news For saying we're a friendly church just puts the emphasis on how we are with one another, which is important, but before that is the issue of where God is and how we are with reference to God. For the message of salvation is about how unworthy folk like you and me, how sinners like you and me can become sons and daughters of the living God. Not through how friendly we are or how hard we try, but through the grace and the mercy of God. So when a congregation says, we're a friendly church. Often the significant thing is not what they've said, but what they've not said. Where's God in that? Now there are many ways to improve on saying we're a friendly church. And using that simply to describe ourselves and what we're about. But we've set our shape around, our purposes around saying that we're living the Lord's way, loving the Lord's people, and sharing the Lord's message. And the promises or vows that are made on someone becoming a member at Claremont are promises, vows based on that shape, but they're there for not just the day we join, but for all of us to live by. They're not about doing more or trying harder, but they're saying this is what it means to be the people of God. These are the privileges and responsibilities of being followers of Jesus. And we've been looking at these promises and vows these past weeks, and we're now at the third section, the sharing of the Lord's message. And last week we looked at the um, place of praying for the congregation's growth And underneath that, next to that, is by inviting the unchurched to attend. That's a step beyond being friendly, isn't it? Being friendly says you'll be nice to those that turn up, but it's beyond that to looking to and encouraging folks to come and see for themselves. Being invitational is making the point of asking someone to take the next step. And that's basic. We have only heard the gospel. We have only come to know God because somebody, somewhere, sometime, (laughs) invited someone to come and find out about Jesus. And not just one person, the whole chain of that, a whole worldwide movement of that. And if they had said, oh, it's enough just to be friendly to folks that turn up, you can guarantee the gospel would never have reached here. And it's only because people have been more than friendly but taking a step beyond that to being invitational that the gospel went anywhere outside Jerusalem far less reach all across to us. Far less reach down through 2,000 years to us. So for anyone to say, oh, that's too much or I don't fancy that or I'm not going to do that, it's a bit like someone you know, flying to New York and saying, I don't believe in (laughs) aeroplanes. Well, halfway over across the Atlantic, you better hope that your belief's wrong or (laughs) you're in trouble. That's how we got here, any of us, all of us. Now, in John chapter 1, the passage that I've read, we, we see Jesus' mission building on that of John the Baptist. Andrew, we're told, verse 40, was one of the two who had heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. John had said, back in verse 36 of that chapter, that Jesus is the Lamb of God. And after spending some time with Jesus, Andrew went to find his brother. And verse 42, and he brought him to Jesus. Peter, that was his brother. Now, we know, as the story went on, that Peter became a leader amongst the disciples. Peter was very often the first one to speak up when Jesus put a question or when something was happening. Peter was the one that often they they galvanized around as they were wondering what to do next. Peter was the one who addressed the crowds on the day of Pentecost. Peter was the one who was so instrumental in forming the early church. We read of him doing miracles in Acts. We read of him setting the shape of what church is to be and to do. We, we read of him in Acts 10 and 11 of going beyond the Jews to the house of Cornelius, the Romans, the, the beginning of the mission to the, beyond Jerusalem, beyond Jews, to all the world. It was Peter that was involved in that. He's even written a couple of books that have made their way into the New Testament. A couple of his letters are there. He's done a lot, Peter has. His influence has been huge. Where did it all begin? Verse 42, and he, Andrew, brought him, Peter, to Jesus. Come on. Come with me and meet this guy. I want you to meet him. Andrew doing that kind of thing, incidentally, was something that we find was was kind of second nature to him. It was Andrew, chapter 6, who brought the boy with the loaves and fish to to Jesus for the feeding of the 5,000. And in chapter 12, Andrew and Philip bring some non-Jews to meet Jesus, people who were gripped by what Jesus was doing, but weren't sure that as not being Jews, it was really for them. Andrew and Philip were the ones that said, come on, we'll introduce you. And that's pretty much, that's pretty much all we know about Andrew from the whole of the New Testament. Is that not enough? Not just friendly, but he invited others to see for themselves. The very next day, to Andrew bringing Peter, Jesus, verse 43, recruited Philip. Philip. What does Philip do? He goes, verse 45, and finds Nathanael. And says to him to come along. Nathanael's got his doubts. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip, verse 46, just says, come and see. Doesn't have to give him a sermon. Doesn't have to... Argue everything out with them right there, and then come and see. Come on. And again, as I mentioned a few moments ago, it was it was Philip who was with Andrew, John, chapter twelve, bringing the non-Jews to see Jesus. See that gospel message is essentially the same: come to Jesus, meet Jesus, follow Jesus. Christ, the risen King, continues to invite and summon with his challenge, follow me. It's contained in the command to make disciples. It's a, something that is echoed down through the years across the world. And here's the thing it has come down through the years across the world, not simply and not even mainly by famous preachers and by huge evangelistic rallies but rather through Jesus' followers, one by one, saying, come and see. The gospel reached out to overshadowed in the background figures like Andrew. The gospel reaches out to dynamic leadership types like Peter. The gospel is reaching out to withdrawn, struggling characters like Philip. The gospel reaches out to earnest but skeptical folks like Nathaniel and all the others. See, just in these four verses, just very, very different types of people. Now, it's not that the big rallies, the writing of leaflets and tracks, that radio and TV broadcasts and so on, it's not that any of that or all of that is wrong. It's great and they reach many. But overwhelmingly... The most effective way of people coming to faith in Jesus is the ways that we read of in John chapter 1, verses 40 to 51. It was family members, it was mates saying, come and see, come and have a look for yourself. And so if we were given the choice of two options, which one would it be? Friendly? Or invitational? What are we doing to be those ways? Is friendly just extending a bit of a welcome to somebody that makes their way here, or are we concerned to help people find their way? Perhaps we think it would be good to be invitational, but we're a bit scared, we're a bit unsure. Really, what's going to happen? If a friend ditches you on the basis of one or an occasional invite to church, then they're not much of a friend in the first place, are they? If we invite people, some are going to say no, and some will say yes. But if we don't invite, everybody says no. (laughs) Or the effect is, the outcome is the same as everybody saying no. How did the gospel get here? How did it begin? Being successful in inviting, and sometimes I think this is what puts us off, we think we don't want to invite someone in case they say no. And then we feel we've failed. No, no. Successful inviting is not when someone says yes and comes with you. Successful inviting is when you've asked. Back to the passage we looked at, was it last week, 1 Corinthians 3? Paul says, he planted the seed of Paulus watered, but God gives the growth. Whether somebody responds to the invitation or not, whether someone gets it or not, whether someone looks at Jesus and sees that he is the Lamb of God, the Savior of the world, it's not our work, it's God's work in that person's life. Our work is to plant the seed and do the watering. Our work is to say, come and have a look, please. It's worth it. Now, this invitational way is rooted, of course, not just in the instructions that God gives, but in the very nature of God himself. Had we read earlier in John chapter 1, we would have read that wonderful passage at the beginning about the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word came right into the world. He came to that which was his own, verse 11 of chapter 1, but his own did not receive him. The Word became flesh, verse 14, and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. He came to us And some people, verse 11, John chapter 1, said no to the invitation. So if you invite and somebody says no, you're in good company. It happened to Jesus as well. Jesus came, he said, to seek and save the lost. He told parables about searching for lost sheep. And living out that way of God in our lives is more than... Simply saying to some, come with me and see for yourself, of course there is a lot more that we could say as part of the church's mission. There's a lot more that we could say it's involved in praying for others and knowing what we believe and why we believe it and being able to give an account of it and so on. There is of course a lot more to it, but it is not less than being invitational. That passage we looked at last week in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 used the illustration of seeds and growth, and that kind of um, illustration is used many places in the New Testament. Now, suppose you came across a farmer, and uh, it was harvest time, and this Farmer was looking at his field, and this farmer was disappointed and distraught because nothing has grown in the field. Well, that's bad news for a farmer. And you're having a conversation with him about what's gone wrong, what what could have happened. And then you find out, well, he didn't actually plant anything in that field. Well, no surprise that nothing has grown. Similarly, if we do not invite, they will not come. And that's as strange a scenario as the farmer being upset at no crops when he hasn't planted. We want, we hope, we might even expect the church to grow. But Sometimes we think all we need to do is be friendly. But no, we need to be Invitational as well. Read again then, John chapter 1, verses 40 to 51 at home. Notice the part played by Andrew. Notice the part played by Philip. Notice that they didn't have to have degrees in theology and they didn't have to go into great big explanations. They simply invited their family and friends we could and we should. It might not just be, for example, being with us on a Sunday morning, other opportunities too. You could, for example, this week, buy a friend or a family member a ticket for the screw tape letters here on Thursday night, because that is going to be an excellent opportunity to people to hear something of what Christ is all about. The book is full of wisdom and good learning about living the Christian life. So maybe it's somebody who likes drama. Maybe it's somebody who likes something that's, that's well presented, and it will be well presented. But if we don't ask, if we never sow, we're going to be very disappointed come harvest time. And not only should we not want that, God doesn't want that. He is the one who gives growth. He's the one who enjoys giving growth. It's his very nature. It's his very nature that the Word who was made flesh came into the world. It's his very nature that he came to seek and save the lost. So not inviting is actually frustrating. The plans and the purposes and the well-being of God. God. It's a denial of who God is and a denial of how we came to be here if we're not prepared to be invitational. Of course we can be both. They're not exclusive. The point is that friendly by itself is simply not enough. Jesus didn't call us to be nice but to join in his work of making disciples I don't know how to do that somebody might say well there's a start just what Andrew and Philip did in that chapter come and see come with me let us pray